Hello and welcome to another episode of the Supertop podcast. I'm Oshin, recording in Dublin. And I'm Podrick, recording in Vancouver. It's been a busy few weeks. It's been a long time since we recorded. I feel like I'm new to podcasting again, but uh, we're back. We're here. Castro Tree is out. And I guess we'll go through some of what we've been up to for the last few weeks. So glad to have it launched at last. It was a short enough development cycle relative to what we did for Castro 2. But yeah, still so exciting to have it out there at last. Yeah, even though it was shorter than Castro 2, I mean, still the still when it comes down to launch days, I don't think it matters really. I mean, it still is like the tension and the nerves and, and everything. I mean, it all builds up. It all builds up in the same way before any launch. And I've one thing I've learned is I really I, I do not like launch days, generally yeah. speaking. Yeah, I know. I will be it's happy a, to not have another major launch day for a while. <laughs> it's so weird. It should be like, it feels like it should be this really happy celebration that all your work is done and you just, now you're just going to get all the rewards. But it's like, it doesn't feel like that to me ever. But anyway, I'm still really glad that it's done. So that's good. Exactly. Me too. So to get ready for the launch day, I guess, because we talked before on previous episodes about how we were moving to the subscription model and some of the trials and tribulations of of dealing with that sort of stuff. So to get ready for launch, there was like one last kind of thing that we had to do, which was like prepare for the switch from Castro being a paid app on the store to being a free app on the store. Um, now, and the reason why that couldn't just be just change the price and wait for that to roll out is that because of the new subscription model and because of the new in-app purchases, we wanted to make sure that we had a way to tell for sure who had paid for the app and who hadn't. So the idea was to basically, first of all, take the app off the store altogether so it wouldn't be available anymore. So you mean who had bought Castro 2 previously to launching Castro 3? Like so that we could tell who they were specifically? The way that that works specifically is that like each app that you download from the App Store has an encrypted receipt inside in it. And by looking at that receipt, one of the things that's in there is the original application version that the user ever ever installed from the App Store. So you could see, for example, if that was 2.0, um, uh, then we could tell, okay, this user has had it since 2.0, therefore they have paid for the app before and we would unlock certain features for them for free without requiring Castro Plus. Um, right. But if there was like a period, I guess the, essentially it's that like we could, couldn't trust that we could just like change the price f- from a paid app to a free app and press release on Castro 3 at one time and just have that all roll out smoothly. We figured that there was a high enough chance that there would be times in between there where either people were having to pay to download Castro 3 or were getting Castro 2 for free. Because those two things roll out separately, or at least we don't know that they'll roll out at the same time in every country because Apple has different servers all over the world and the price change could happen before the actual app update came out. Exactly, yeah. I just We just didn't trust that it would happen smoothly without us like intervening in a quite convoluted manner. <laughs> <laughs> so the first thing we did is basically take the app off the store, so just like removed it so it wasn't available to download in any countries. And when we were confident that had rolled out, then we switched the price to free and... Um, then when we were confident that it would have propagated, we essentially released the new version. So before then, there would have been Castro 2.6.2 and Castro 3 as the next version in iTunes Connect. Um, so we released 3, essentially. Right, so 3 was released, but then it wasn't actually available in any countries. 
that was the hope. And actually, that was, right. yeah, that was mostly true. I mean, we did get a bunch of emails immediately once I pressed that button. My phone started lighting up saying, like, Castro 3 is now ready for sale. And I kind of freaked out for a second, but it mostly wasn't available. <laughs> yeah, so one enthusiastic Castro user got in touch, uh, Ryan Dotson, and he had figured out a way to get Castro 3 before we made it available in every country. How That was, like, through the, uh, through the purchase tab or something in the App Store, was it? If you buy an app from Apple... And then that app becomes not available in your country anymore after you bought it. You can still re-download it from the purchase tab on your phone. So if you dig in through there, you'll be able to find apps that have that aren't actually available in the store to buy for new people. But because you bought it before, you can re-download it, which is that makes sense. But he figured out that if he deleted Castro and then looked in there and installed it, it would be Castro 3 because that was the latest version that was available on the store, even though <laughs> new people couldn't get it. So we didn't, we never thought of that as a possibility. So we actually have, I think two or three other people maybe figured it out because we had some subscriptions start before launch, like more than just us testing. So, but Ryan very kindly got in touch and told us what the secret was. So <laughs> at least we knew. Yeah, a couple of people, I think a couple of other people mentioned it later on Twitter as well. And I was just kind of thinking like, oh, all we can do now is just hope that those tweets don't get spread too widely. <laughs> yeah. I figured that that wasn't going to be a widespread thing that like kind of ruined our launch day or anything like that. It seemed fine. But there was one kind of panic where I started kind of freaking out because it turned out as users were over that weekend, as we like asked some people, I sent some promo codes to people and asked them to install Castro Tree essentially from the App Store via promo code right and i wanted to then test the logic that we had in the app to right. check because rewind to a previous podcast all that in-app purchase logic is very very hard to test before you launch okay continue <laughs> yes yeah, so i wanted to be sure about that um and wanted to be sure that if if anybody had like installed castro 2 before that the logic we have in the app for determining whether we should give them the features or not to make sure that that stuff definitely worked as well because in principle it did but it was like we need to, i needed to see this with with live data well, i tried it first myself and it didn't work and i thought oh that's probably maybe that's just because i installed it with a promo code and therefore when you install apps via promo code you get a different a new like original application version or something like that mm. um but what it turned out that it actually was, which this is how it's documented, but as I was implementing the feature, I'll explain why and how I made the mistake. But So the way that it's documented and the way that it works is that when you check the original application version in an app receipt, it reports that version, uh, but it's by the build number of the app. So there's two, there's two essential version numbers for each build that you upload to the App Store. So say, for example, Castro 3 was build number... 1020 castro 2 was something like build number 500 say for example um and so you could there's two ways of identifying what that version is it's either 3.0 or in the other format it's like 1020 the logic that we had written um in the app to determine whether we were going to unlock the features or not was expecting that version number to be the the marketing version like the 2.0 or the 2.5 or the 2.0 6.2 or or oh, whatever but, that right, format it was, but it was the build version <laughs> it was actually the build number that was coming oh. back so then we were getting build numbers saying like oh the original version of this app that's installed is say something like 660 and we're like okay we check to see is that more recent than castro 
three or not and it's like well yeah it's like castro 660 this is like <laughs> so uh so and therefore this user did not originally have castro 2 and therefore they should have to pay for castro plus to unlock all those features um if that had still been there by launch day i mean i think we'll get into like some of the reactions from launch day in a in a while but i think it's fair to say that if that bug had still been there on launch day i think we would have seen a lot stronger reactions about how we were robbing features from people and making them pay for stuff that they had already paid for before um yeah that would luckily so we got that yeah so lucky that we got that over that weekend and even luckier as well that some of the logic for that actually passed through our server because it meant we were able to patch that by updating code on the server rather than having to update having oh, yeah. to submit a new build of the app it's so like yeah, every now and again, something like that happens where the server can just make it all right instantly. And it's such a, I don't know, it just brings me back to like the whole app review thing being this extra artificial layer on software that doesn't really super need to be there, in my opinion. So, but yeah, it's so nice being able to just make a change on a server and have it fixed in like an hour or two. I think you you tracked down the issue and then I was able to just change one line of code basically to on the server and deploy that. And then that saved our launch because, yeah, we'd put in so much work to make sure that Castro 2 users got looked after. Um, and then to have done that work and then also have one tiny bug prevented from working would have been the worst possible of all situations. <laughs> <laughs> My one like moment for like making an excuse for why I didn't read the documentation properly and and wrote this bug into our software is that if you're running an app either in test flight or just like a development build of your app and you check that original application version how it behaves and how it's documented is that instead of being blank or instead of being another version of the app it's just always 1.0 but because that's in the format where it's like a 1.0 that made me think okay well then therefore if it's like 1.0 on dev builds, then I guess from the app store, it's going to be either be 2.0 or 3.0 or Yeah, it puts so you in that so marketing forth. version mind frame, definitely. Because build numbers never have, well, I've, I don't think I've ever seen a build number with a decimal place in it. Um, yeah, so yeah, no. definitely. It has that affordance of like, oh, 1.0. Okay, that's the version number, definitely. Yeah. So the logic was all written like that. And luckily we got it. And any listeners out there who are doing implementing subscription or receipt checking in your apps in the future just that's one thing to keep in mind uh, read the documentation carefully it's actually right <laughs> about this <laughs> yeah um, so i watched the wwc sessions about that stuff to see if anything new was there and there is there is one new thing that i noticed a lot of it seemed to be repeating sessions from last year which is kind of weird but um one new thing is you can well, developers who are testing in-app purchases can now sign in with a Sandbox account without signing out of their main account, which means you can actually use your main phone to test this stuff, which is, like, huge. <laughs> that's great, yeah. That'll yeah. Be, that's be much more helpful in future, at least mm -hmm. for testing on iOS 12 yeah, and definitely. onwards. So, yeah, we survived. That was, like, our last minute. Oh, my God, is this launch completely ruined? Do we need to pull it and email everyone until, like... Email every uh, blogger who was hoping to write about it and tell them, like, delay it another week and email Apple and ask them to hold any promotion they were going to do. Um, but then, yeah, you were able to figure it out and luckily we were able to fix it on the server. So, yeah, that was, that was like the dramatic moment of peril, peril in the reality TV show of launching Castro 3. <laughs> <laughs>
Yeah, so then everything went pretty smoothly after that. Yeah, I mean, it came out on schedule the next day. I mean, I guess it came out a little bit early, and some people realized beforehand. Um, but we had asked people to like hold their reviews and stuff until 9 a.m. Pacific time, I think it was. Um, yeah. So everyone did that, and at that point is then when we tweeted, and lots of other people started tweeting, and kind of the whirlwind of notifications and new support requests and reviews coming in that you don't have time to read and all that kind of madness kicked off then. Um, mm-hmm. It's hard to kind of really get a grasp on like what that day is like. And I feel like I should know more about it at this stage or like be like prepared for it more. And I, I guess I probably was in a sense, but, and I did warn some people, I was like, look, I, I'm probably not going to be in a great mood that day. I know <laughs> the way that these things go. And I said like, yeah, it it won't matter. Even if it's like, yeah, reviews are coming in and they're very positive. We're getting subscribers. Things are going pretty well. I know that like my mindset that day is still just going to be like just in the or just all up in the air and like it just a mixture of excitement, but then of like kind of an anticlimax of something that you've built up to for so long and now it's there and now it's just done and now it's out. Um, I don't know. I'm not really <laughs> explaining it super well. I think, but it was like. I was down at my grandmother's house in Kerry here in Ireland and I don't think she understood really even like why Oshin was like on the computer all day and like why he wouldn't even like sit still at dinner <laughs> and try to explain to her look oh there's just this big day there's all this stuff going on but I think she was just like what kind of a job is that guy doing for himself at all? <laughs> <laughs> yeah we have so we've been selling our house and buying a new one and that's all that's all done now we move next week but that weekend before launch was when we were uh, we were showing our house for the first time for potential buyers. Good timing. And, yeah, and we actually sold it very like that weekend, or like had the the initial offer that ended up being the one we accepted. And so my head was so much in that for those for the weekend before that I didn't build up any anxiety about this launch. I was like, oh yeah, whatever. I have to sort of this house thing, and then my budget of stress was like kind of used up. So I wasn't. Like if I was lying awake wearing at night, it was about house stuff and not app stuff. So then the launch day wasn't as bad for me as I expected. But then it just kicks in a little bit later, basically, for me, I think, where, yeah, the way I came up with to think about it is that like all through your life before you start working, everything in school or university is projects and essays you do, and then you hand them in. And a few days later, you get a grade. So you're just done. And you're just like, the thing's done. If it's good, you get a good grade. If it's bad, you know, it, it's just done. <laughs> Whereas this is like, it's not like that with launching an app because all of a sudden now the product is out there and now you have a billion other things to do to keep it going and to keep building on it. So that, I think there's still part of my part of my brain that's just locked into that simple idea of like, look, I made a thing, here it is. I'm finished now, I guess do something else. <laughs> so yeah, I think the... The like depression of not getting the Nobel Peace Prize or whatever um, as soon as you launch the app still sets in for me for some reason. And it's really spoiled and everything, but that's still, I don't know, these are emotions. You can't really reason with them. Yeah. I mean, one thing that I think that feeds into as well, um, and there's more stuff that we'll talk about before we really even get into the business side of things. But in terms of the idea of there being this one dramatic moment and then after this happens, then you get your verdict and it's like, did you get an A? Did like wh- here's your A plus. You switch you switched to subscriptions. Now congratulations. You now 
are the proud owner of a successful indie app business. Um, mm-hmm. Now, go on your way and you will not have to worry about financial trouble ever again. Um, <laughs> um, I mean, that was kind of, I mean, I knew in advance, I was like, there's no way, no matter how good launch day goes, it's not that we're going to turn around at the end of launch day and be like, okay, that's it there now. We just had one launch and now we have enough subscribers for us to like just be sustainable forever. And like, we just, all we have to do now is keep these subscribers happy and like we're yeah. done. I mean, I guess maybe there was like some little part inside of me that would have been like, oh, you never know, maybe like something crazy will happen and you're just going to have like thousands upon thousands upon thousands of paid subscribers from day one. But realistically, I knew that we were going to get hopefully a reasonable enough amount of subscribers on day one. And that then from there, we were going to start building towards our target of what we want it to be. Um, And it was more about like, can we get off to like a good enough start with that, but without kind of thinking, oh, yeah, it's just all going to be settled on day one. Yeah, Um, yeah. Because we had talked about on, like this switch on our podcast and stuff, and I think some of our some people who listen to this podcast and some people who are like so kind about like rooting for us and like looking out for us and like helping like spread word about like Castro and like help always retweet and always tell their friends about the app and stuff like that. Like I think over the days, like as we kind of tweeted about like things that were going super well about the launch, like say for example. There was the tweet where about like how good downloads were going, for example. Um, and it was such a popular tweet and people were like really happy for us. Um, but it made me wonder like, oh, do people think now that like, oh, because we're saying this, that therefore they think that we're kind of implying that like, oh, yeah, everything now is just like hunky dory. Like we're like set forever now. <laughs> yeah that was actually i think that was the biggest difference between the castro 2 launch and the three launches like there were a bunch of people who really seemed to i guess i'd listened to the last few episodes of the podcast and knew where our heads were with it and seemed to really be hoping and rooting for us to to do well which is like yeah that was one really nice kind of surprise that i wasn't expecting we might not have the largest podcast audience in the world but all of you people are awesome <laughs> yeah thank you for listening to us and and for subscribing thank you very much as well for defending our honor on the internet as well um, <laughs> actually that was one thing even like i, I don't usually use uh, reddit a lot but i checked in on a few threads there and there were people actually explaining stuff that had been on our podcast that we had said to as like oh this is why they're bringing in subscription and it was so nice to not that i wouldn't argue that stuff myself and say the same things but it sounds so defensive when it's coming from you whereas if it's just another person who's saying oh no this is how it is there's something so much nicer about just seeing that happen as well as like obviously not having to do it yourself is nice (laughs) No, exactly when you like if you're going online and you're reading something and there's like somebody who feels say negative about subscriptions they're like oh this is terrible idea i'd never subscribe to an app and so, so say if that was just an article that you read and there was like no comments on it or anything, you like you have your reaction then to that as an argument and to uh, that as like what the person maybe is saying about Castro as well and stuff like that. But when it's a discussion and when there are already by the time you look at the page, other people writing in to like defend it ex- essentially, I just ended remember ending up feeling like just happy that. There was that it seemed like that there was a like more balanced conversation going on about this stuff. Yeah, yeah. It's not that everyone was one hundred percent agreeing with us. It's that it didn't feel like a mob 
all getting together mad about subscriptions. It felt like people discussing things. Yeah, and in that context, or I guess in any context, that's fine for me. If I guess if I hear somebody complaining about subscriptions, it's like, okay, that's totally fine. But in the context as well, where there's other people then jumping in and defending it and saying, this is the reasons why they think it'll work, and even this is the reasons why Superdop thinks it'll work, and I'm with them, or whatever. Yeah, um, yeah I don't know. It feels good. It's like, kind of felt a little bit sometimes. I was like, oh, it's so nice that we have like our little army of podcast listeners out there <laughs> out there defending us <laughs> well yeah so feedback on the subscription business model let's talk about that quickly mm-hmm. i was prepared for a lot more negative feedback than we got the main big complaint was just someone hates subscriptions in general and they just don't mm-hmm. want any subscriptions um which we were prepared for and we knew it would happen but there just weren't very many of them there have been like I'd still say it's fewer than 10. Um, I'm not saying there aren't like hundreds of people out there who think this, but the ones who actually bothered to argue with us, there were very few of them on Twitter or even emailing us. And that was kind of a relief. And I guess I put it down to either they just didn't care enough to argue or we did something right along the way. And I think the things that we did right are we made sure not to take anything off Castro 2 users. And in fact, we gave them more, like they got a watch app and a new player um, and a million bug fixes, which if it had been a brand new uh, brand new paid app, Castro 2 would have been dead, never would have got another update. And the only way to get more would be to pay. Uh, so yeah, I think we looked after Castro 2 users as well as we could without just going out of business trying to do it. And then the other thing I think kind of helped with launch day at least was doing a phased release on the app store. So the way that works is um, apps automatically install on your phone when updates come out by default, but that automatic install can be set to uh, release in a phased way so that on day one, 1% get it automatically on day two, 5% get it automatically and so on over a week until hundred percent get it. Um, now you can still see, go to the updates tab and manually install. It doesn't stop that. Like it'll appear in that tab. It just won't automatically install, which is why I think when you go to the app store and open it, there's always like nine pending updates. It's because those are on phased release, I think. So that meant that the people who were most excited about the app went and got it manually. So the launch day went well, whereas people who are going to be surprised by this sudden change and had never heard of us talking about Castro 3 um that that was spread out over the week so at least there wasn't like a big pile on at the start of people who were surprised by it there was like a more gradual uh more gradual release of that stuff and then we were able to deal with it as it happened rather than like if we'd got 20 people jumping on us at once it would have been overwhelming so yeah i think that's one of the big points about like in terms of like there wasn't that many people but they were vocal and sometimes it can be difficult to read that stuff is that so say Say if there was 30 people instead of three or four people complaining at us about subscriptions, and if this was happening like right there on launch day, that would have definitely been the overwhelming feeling of that day, I think. Even if it had still just been a minority of people and everybody else was like, this is great, I'm hopping on board. I just think the way that it feels like when you receive that sort of feedback or like just the emotional investment in it um, would mean that it like, 30 people could definitely have have made me feel very differently that day. <laughs> yeah, completely. It really would have changed it, I think. And I guess one other big point in terms of like, why did this go 
so well and why did we not hear that much from a lot of people is even just, I guess, down to maybe time. And like this is a, an age when people are getting more used to the idea that if they want software to stay around, that there may be subscription involved in that. And if, for example, we had launched Castro 2 in this way, a subscription in August 2016, um, perhaps even with everything else being the same, perhaps we still would have got a lot more pushback against this in, in, in 2016 as opposed to in 2018. Yeah, we weren't the first ones to do this, definitely. So, And I'm glad that we weren't the ones trying to establish this business model. Actually, listening to that um, open mic podcast uh, where they interviewed the maker of Ulysses, and we mentioned this mm -hmm. before too, but there were a few points in there that, yeah, that really just like got into my mind and made me feel much better about some of this stuff. Like the idea that there are some people who just don't like subscription and then they're not going to subscribe no matter what, and they're going to pick on any minor injustice or anything you do wrong and jump on you for that. Um, which is like, I I don't know. I think people do that. I think I've done that in my life. Definitely, when I'm annoyed about something, you you pick on the thing that you know you, the argument you know you can win. So that's fine. But knowing, being very aware that that's a real thing, meant made dealing with some of the support stuff a bit easier because it was like, well, this person's arguing this, but I think that there's a real overarching overarching point they have, and we can just address that point without getting into any drama on Twitter. And I think just recognizing, look, some people aren't ready to do subscription. Maybe they never will be. And us fighting with them on Twitter isn't going to be what converts them. So just tell them it's fine. Like, you don't have to buy it. It's cool. That was my strategy for the first few days is like, anyone who's mad about it, just make them feel, feel okay about not buying it. Because there are other options. We're not the only ones selling a podcast app. We're not forcing anyone to do anything. So... Uh, if if they try the app and they like it, they can pay. And if not, they don't have to. Like it's not a big deal. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, and this is the this is the wonderful thing about subscription is if we can get I don't know what I don't know where our numbers have settled on this, but like somewhere between ten thousand and twenty thousand subscribers, we're just we're fine. So we no longer have to get like forty thousand new users every year. We just need like to keep twenty thousand happy every year and then we're great we're both making good salaries we can keep doing this forever um and yeah so it's it's so such a relief to be able to reply to some of those things with like okay that's fine instead of like well we have to make an extra 2000 sales this month so we have to fight for every single one um yeah anyway i'm off talking about subscriptions <laughs> i feel like yeah well i mean i guess we're definitely gonna like keep talking about that and we are still i guess at least for a while going to be i don't know if fighting is the right word but i mean we're still kind of building going to be working towards building up our subscriber count until it gets to a, gets to a point like that there's one other point that i i think like an argument that people crystallized around was okay yeah so this app is only 75 cents a month what if every app on my phone cost that and then i'd have to pay a fortune all the time so and I think that's not a great argument because like, I like the subscription model now. I'm convinced by it. I like it. I use it. But I still only subscribe to like two apps. So there's, I still have a high bar for actually subscribing to something. Like It has to be something I use regularly and that's important to me and that's actually valuable. Um, so there's just, like I still get to choose. It's not like all these apps turn into subscription things and I just have to do them. Like That model won't work for everything. Like if it's a, an app that just... 
uh, if it's an app that just does some once-off thing, like a measuring tape or something, you're not going to get someone to pay a subscription for that ever. And so I don't think that we need to worry about every app turning into a subscription app. It's just like apps that need full-time developers to work on them, to maintain them, to fix bugs, and support new features in iOS 12. Yeah, those ones maybe pay a subscription for, and the other ones don't. Which I think is an interesting distinction from where the line used to be drawn, where it was like, oh yeah, well, the only thing that you should have to subscribe to is that it has to have like a server component as in like because then all of a sudden it's a service and that's magically like something completely different that was definitely the line before particularly maybe before apple cloud kit existed and sync everyone accepted sync is this hard difficult thing um and so if you have to do that you have to pay for servers and servers have an ongoing cost so therefore subscription is fine that was always kind of a questionable justification because servers just don't cost that much. They don't cost as much as us, anyhow. Yeah. <laughs> I think we pay a few hundred a month for our servers. Um, so it is a cost. And if we weren't making any money, we would shut it down and the app would go away. So it matters that we have some ongoing revenue. But it, it's never been sync and servers have never been a true reason why something had to be subscription-based. It was always just a justification uh, to cover the actual real ongoing everyday cost of paying developers to keep working on something. Because, yeah, these apps don't maintain themselves. And like we saw it with the 32-bit transition recently, that apps that don't get maintained over a few years, they just get cut. They're gone. So um, you do need to be, there needs to be a way to pay for that extra development work, especially if you actually want new features as well as maintenance. Yeah, so now that we've kind of gone through and argued with the very vocal minority of people who had complaints about subscription. Maybe we should talk about some of the very nice things that lots of people said about the app and about <laughs> even some of the features. I mean, we yeah. did get reviews. We did have new features. <laughs> we talked about the launch day being kind of stressful and it's like, because you're anxious jumping between a million different things that could go wrong. But like all the reviews and feedback about the features was all just like perfect. So happy with it. Yeah, there was an overall narrative to some of this stuff that I think I hadn't even quite. I mean, I know we had kind of. So, one thing that as we like planned out Castro 3 and what ultimately ended up being called Castro Plus was that we looked around at like a bunch of our competitors and tried to make sure that we were going to like pick off some of the features where essentially Castro 2 was was lagging behind in a sense that there was things that these other apps did that Castro 2 didn't do. Um, and we wanted to catch up with as many of them as we could. But I think that then by the time it came around to launching and stuff, I was so focused on subscription and so focused on how are people going to respond to this new business model that I kind of had forgotten about like how much we had actually gotten done and how much we had done to catch up with some of the features that, that we hadn't had before. That as I started to read through some of the reviews, like there was the Mac stories, um, Glenn Fleischman uh, made us like his Macworld editor's choice and wrote a great review there. And um, I, I more had a comparison essentially like between Castro Tree and Overcast. Um, and I mean, the bi a big narrative about all these reviews was that like, like that Castro has become this like serious contender now and has really kind of caught up with in most of the areas where competitors had an edge on it before or, or a feature or a couple of features that that were missing from Castro and that were holding people back. Um, yeah. So it was really nice to like see that like play out. 
especially because I had forgotten that that was what the release was all about. Yeah, you get so wrapped up in the business model stuff and the subscription work that <laughs> you almost forget the features. But the the thing that stood out to me was we'd put in so much work to make the trim silent stuff good, like not actually, not just be good enough to check a box, but like I wanted it to be as good as Overcast 4, um, not Overcast 1 even, like Marco has been working on that for years and I presume he's been iterating on it and making it better and better but like really trying to get that to be as good as possible. But I was still completely resigned to the fact that everyone's just going to think his is better because they believe in it. Like that there'd be, people wouldn't do a scientific comparison. They'd just be like, ah, you know, Marco's pretty good at this stuff I, and he's been doing it longer. I bet it's going to be better. And like, the so I was completely resigned that the reviews were going to be like, yeah, it has stream silence. It's okay. It works. Um, but most of the, review, the reviews said it was great. So that was such a relief to like, to have them actually have tested that and recognize that recognize that work that we we put in. So yeah, that was that was really cool and unexpected because I just I thought we were just going to have to wait a long time before it was accepted that ours was good enough. I thought because I thought the idea would just stick out there for a long time, but I don't know, maybe that was all in my head from the start. <laughs> yeah, I, I get that because I mean the thing is you, we can put so much work into things, but we don't always know like which parts of it are going to be recognized and, and which aren't, for example. Mm. Or like, are we like, say even say for certain animations and stuff like that, like if we put tons of work into this, are people actually going to notice that they are good or that they're really nice? Um, so for me, for example, that's something that always like gives me, makes me very happy when I see that like people notice that kind of stuff. And with Trim, Trim Silence, you had put so much extra effort into like solving for like weird edge cases and like testing with like a bunch of different episodes and all that. But then I totally get that, that then you still were kind of wondering like, oh yeah, but how is it actually going to be received? So when people started writing that stuff, it was, uh, yeah, it was really good to read. Yeah. Because even, I mean, in the past, we've had people say that our faster speeds are worse than Overcast. And we're, every single app is using precisely the same Apple algorithm for faster speeds the only thing that does differ is like what the exact faster speed is for a while our faster speeds didn't match up perfectly with overcasts like it was 1.25 versus 1.33 or something like very close but close enough that if you compared the two you could hear differences and then just your biases would kick in and you'd decide which one was better having dealt with that in the past and gone slightly crazy trying to figure out why people thought one was better than the other when i knew they were the same and like had talks to the makers of Pocket Casts and Overcast and ask them, like, what algorithm are you using? We're all using the same thing? Cool. So I was expecting a similar <laughs> effect with Trim Silence where, like, audio is terrible for this stuff because it's so hard to... It's so subjective. Like, this is where people buy gold-covered digital cables and stuff because they think it sounds better. So I really thought we'd be... That that effect would apply more. I've definitely seen some people since, say... In very general terms, I just prefer Overcast without getting into an explanation of why, and that's fine. But yeah, the uh, the people who wrote the reviews of Castro 3 on day one certainly didn't seem to think it was worse, so that was good. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Another thing that was nice to see coming through in the reviews is even just still a focus on triage in Castro and like how good and how powerful that is. Um, and it's nice to see that like even a couple of years later, that is still identified as something very strong about the app and something that's even like for many people, like a primary reason why to even use this as their app. Um, 
And so to see that even like a couple of years later, as the new reviews are coming out, that that stuff is still getting mentioned and Pastro is still being held up for that stuff is a good validation of that approach and that like we have built something that is um, differentiated in that way and unique in that way and still like a very powerful tool for podcast nerds everywhere. Yeah, I'm really <laughs> happy with how the um, how the Castro slash Castro plus separation worked out because in practice it was just that it w- it didn't really make sense to have a free version of the app that didn't have triage. Like it would break too much of the app. So I think that's how we came to the model that we have. So you can try the app and experience the unique thing for free. But then if you decide that you want to stay and you need these things like sound skipping, then you pay. And I think that's a pretty good model because we're not trying to convince someone of something they aren't going to pay for. They already probably know what Trim Silences is. They just need to decide whether they want to live in this app or not. One flip side to that is, and I'm, this may again just be a case of like listening to the vocal minority, but is that when, if somebody wants to like take contention with what the subscription is and what's offered with this subscription, like it's an easy way to take it down is to say like, well, but why should I have to pay a subscription for these things here in this app when I have them for free in this other app or I have them for a one-time payment in this other app? The answer is you pay the subscription if you want to use them in Castro, not just because you, I mean, if you're happy using them in the other app, then like use them over there. Um, yeah. But it, it's easy for me to see it that way and to be like, oh no, well, what you're paying for, don't just look at what you're paying for as like, that's the value is like for this thing that you're paying for. You're also kind of paying for like the other stuff that is kind of there for free as well. As yeah. in like, if you like triage and you also like chapters, say if that was just the only two things, don't think of it that you're just paying um, to use chapters. You're paying to use chapters in an app that has the triage stuff that you want to use as well. Yeah, if you go to a casino in Vegas, they give you drinks for free. But you can't then like go to a bar and be like, hey, those guys give you drinks for free. Like, <laughs> yeah, why am I paying over here? Yeah, it's just it's a different context. So, But yeah, I have, I've seen people make that point before of like, oh, your competitors offer this stuff for free. And then, but I always think then like, well, why are you arguing with me? Like, what's your point? Go use them. <laughs> and then, like, I think that maybe might trigger the thought process of, like, well, why do I want to use this app? And, like, yeah, maybe it dawns on them then that, like, there are other reasons. But, yeah, I don't know. I'm pretty happy with how it's worked out. I look forward to the time when we have more features behind the subscription, particularly maybe more innovative ones uh, that are new to us. That more of the subscription appeals to like normal users people who are coming from like the apple podcasts app for example with chapters if you listen to podcasts that have chapters it's a really cool feature but like a lot of podcasts just don't have them that's not a feature that matters to anyone if they're just listening to npr all the time because those podcasts don't have them as far as i know so it there's no reason to pay for that if you're if you're just a person listening to like fairly mainstream stuff um, so yeah, I look forward to when we'll have more incentive there for people to upgrade beyond like, I want to support the app or I want these power user features. So one thing, one final thing, I think, because we're probably getting close enough to um, wrapping up here is like, so say as we do like plan out these features that we want to release in updates to Castro 3 or in Castro 4, which I guess is also technically an update to Castro 3. How important do you think like the definition of like oh this is 3.1 this is 3.2 oh no this is only a 3.0 point whatever um 
Like, how important do you think those are, like, when it's, like, now that in a subscription model? Like, are they still important? Or, or do you think we would still, for example, say if we had one feature done and it could be 3.1 or it could be an update, like, is there still, will we still be in a situation where we end up feeling like, oh, no, well, maybe we should hold that feature for a little bit so that we can release it alongside this other feature? Um, or do you think we can just kind of roll features out as they're as they're done from now on? I think definitely the dynamic has changed from what it was before, where like there was no incentive to launch a new feature without being able to like turn it into a marketing launch. Where now with subscribers and with uh, hopefully a big base of free users who could be turned into subscribers, I think it makes sense to keep like keep giving subscribers new things so that they understand what they're paying for and they're getting the benefit out of subscribing. Keep trying to entice free users to upgrade. I think at one point we talked about like abandoning version numbers all together and having like, oh, the July update of Castro is out or the like quarter four update of Castro is out. I still think that like bloggers cover apps or podcasters talk about apps. It goes in major version numbers. And I still think that kind of exists out there as like a, a milestone of like that we're saying, okay, this is Castro four now because it's got this and this and this. And that that's a signal that if they like it, they should write like a big long blog post about it and not just like a tweet. <laughs> Another thought is that even if we released kind of exciting features every, say if we did it every six weeks, we had some kind of launch with like a cool new thing. I wonder would that be less impactful than like taking three of those together and launching those as a major version. So it is good that now we have like that user base of free users there as well. So in theory, at least we can like release features and market it to them. But I mean, one thing that I, I think we're going to have to put in place before we attempt to do a release where our main aim is, oh, like, let's try to convince some of our current free users to upgrade rather than let's do a media blitz and try and make sure we get as much coverage everywhere on the internet as possible is like, we're going to have to figure out how a way to, how do we communicate like what the new features are to users in the app? Because I would guess even we didn't, we talked about this a lot, like even like as we, even during development of Castro three, but we kind of didn't really get around to doing any of that messaging. So I have this sense that like, I think there's people using Castro Tree now who maybe didn't quite even grasp that like a bunch of these new features came out with Castro 2. And so say if we release 3.1 with Magic GWiz feature, mm -hmm. trademark, registered, registered trademark, like we'll need to figure out how, wait, how to do a better job of like communicating that to like users of the app after they do the update if they don't, if they're not like the... the tiny percentage of people who looks at update notes and stuff like that. I think uh, targeting those differently based on whether they were Castro 2 users previously or not. Like if someone's never paid for Castro, I don't feel bad pushing some stuff in their face a little bit. But if they're a Castro mm. 2 user and they're aware of subscription, but they just there's just no features in it for them yet, then like I'd want to ease off a little bit. In any situation, I think I feel slightly uncomfortable, although... Yeah, I wouldn't rule it out of like regularly, say, reminding people who've never paid for Castro regularly enough for reminding them, hey, you know, there is Castro Plus, by the way, um, like even if it's not just because there's a new thing. But I think in any in any situation, even if it's a Castro 2 user who has upgraded to Castro 3 now and we do amazing new thing for 
3.1 say or whatever but in the abstract it's like i just don't know how obvious in the app if you just like open the app like and it's you've just you've been updated to castor 3.1 there is actually this new amazing new capability in it but i don't know how obvious it would be from just looking at the app that this exists unless we go out of our way to be like hey look by the way castro can now do this and uh you should consider whether you want to use that and if you do want to use it um you should consider subscribing yeah we we need a way to communicate that stuff especially if we're going to do regular like every six weeks or something i don't know that's i shouldn't say that that's like a promise but um, no we're definitely not going to do it <laughs> <laughs> um, or even if you're a castro plus subscriber and it's like now you get this you've for not for free sorry this is the whole point of you subscribing is that you should be getting new stuff um but uh we we should let them know hey you're amazing you subscribed um and thanks to that now you here you have this great new feature and obviously there's a fine line there as well because you don't want to be getting in people's faces when they're trying to like get something done so i'm not yeah. sure exactly when or how is a good way of doing this but i do think it's something that we should put a bit more thought into and try to figure out like when we the next time we release a new feature how do we let people know about it yeah yeah, that's a really good point, I think. Because for sure, there are people running Castro 3 now who have no idea that it's not Castro 2. <laughs> the only way they'd find out is if they went into settings, which you don't really need to do very often, or if they got onto the player page and pressed trim silence. So that's pretty much the only way most people would see it. Yeah. And I mean, I guess some users would notice that when they went into the player screen that orders oh, this whole new design, and that might but I mean, that's still, they would not think, they might not think, oh yeah, that means I'm using like a whole entire new version of this. Yeah. So anyhow, yeah, we'll figure out that. And um, all you lovely listeners, just you figure out who else you can tell about Castro and uh, then we'll all be getting our job done. And <laughs> <laughs> All right, we should wrap this up. Thanks so much for listening. Um, we'll try to get back on a regular schedule. And yeah, Castro is free now, so... Really, please do try to set someone up with it and get them if, get them up and running with a podcast or two. Um, they will probably love you more for it. So this is an investment in yourself, really. Exactly. Love yourself. Love Castro. Goodbye. Goodbye. <laughs>